Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Market Foolery. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to grammarly.com/fool and get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. It's Wednesday, January 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio. Seth Jason. Good to see you. Thanks main, for being main here. Zone, Seth Jason. Main zone, Seth <laughs> Minnesota's the pride of Minnesota. It's cold, it starts with M. Exactly. It's a vowel. Um, you know what? Since let me just start with the apology. Let me get the apology out of the way. Speaking of cold places that start with the same letter, uh, because I misspoke on yesterday's episode of Market Flurry when I was referring to the World Economic Forum event in Davos, and I said it was in Sweden. I know it's in Switzerland. I just my my brain wasn't working yesterday morning when it came to that. So I apologize. I heard from some very nice people in Sweden who gently pointed out, no, it's actually not here. It's in Switzerland. God, next so. you'd be telling me that I ain't shrimp on the barbie in Salzburg. <laughs> Is that your go-to move, like with, with Australia my, my and Austria? Girl, I try to train my little girl to be to be nonsensical. I say, if someone tells you they're from Austria, you say, how about a little shrimp on the barbie? Nice. And you wait and you see if they pity you. Or correct you. Nice, get your kid in trouble. Um, let's get to the news. Uh, IBM broke its losing streak. Uh, bricks and mortar retail, that losing streak is still intact. We're going to start today with Netflix because Netflix added nearly 9 million net global subscribers in the fourth quarter. That's a big number. Most of those, I mean, that's however. the whole globe, though. Well, that's you know, the thing. We might like, have added more people to the globe than they added subscribers. Most of those subscribers were outside the United States, and shares of Netflix down two percent, three percent. Really? I thought they were supposed to be up pre-market. Everybody was all excited. See, that's the problem with knowing stuff. You st- I always tell people, if you gave me the earnings news like before anyone else got it, I still couldn't make any money. No way. Yeah, I mean. Uh, r- I think you're right to look at this and go, well, wait a minute, that's a big number, um, and why wouldn't the stock be up? It's it's not like the stock has been lighting the world on fire over the last six months. And and greater lousiness was supposedly expected in the U.S. on the heels of the Disney Plus and the other competition. I mean, the membership numbers look decent. I should say that I'm not a whole, I'm not a very big fan of of Netflix, the stock, and and you know missed out on all of those great gains because of it. Although I did mean to buy it. Well, years ago, I forgot one day, and then I, I looked, and it was like up. 10% 10% a week, and I said, oh, just wait. I've still been waiting. Anyway, <laughs> the membership numbers looked decent. Um, I, I went through the results. There were a few things that, that stuck out. That there was a kind of a weird change in how they account for views. And they say they used to say a program was viewed, uh, like if you viewed 70% of a specific item, like a piece of an episode or a movie or something. And, and they, want, they want to change that now to a different number. They didn't. It, apparently, if you watch anything at all, they'll count it as viewing it. Maybe that's only even a minute. They weren't really very clear. The point is, it's going to mean uh, that viewers or views of individual items will be up by 35%, according to this new rule, which isn't as... It's it's not out there in the ether because the way Netflix markets and the way the whole world works with virality is a social proof thing. If you say, "Hey, nine million people watch this," it seems to matter, and more people will want to watch it. So it's a weird kind of a change that I think looks forward to sort of trying to to build more hype around around programming 
which of course is their their big spend right now. All of this original programming, Witcher, you know, is a big deal, and it just too bad it was lousy. <laughs> I finished it yesterday, or the day before. Huge fan of the Witcher video games and the books. Wanted to love this. Started out liking it. They're so lazy in the storytelling. I got to the end and I was like, "Oh, this is awful." And um, but very popular anyway. So the views thing is interesting to me because I think you're absolutely right from a marketing standpoint. Uh, it does matter. It, it, it is helpful for whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, anybody, just a traditional broadcast network, to be able to say X million people watch this. You just juiced your but, numbers by one third. But I I I think that. If I were a showrunner, I would want more specific data. And they work with that behind the scenes, right? So they'll 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 use that stuff behind the scenes, but the headline material is going to be and this may be just a case of trying to be more comparable. They want to if if they think everybody's fudging the numbers, they're going to they're going to fudge the numbers the same way so that they can have the same kind of comp to to others. Um, the the Disney Plus thing like I mentioned didn't seem to hurt them as badly. Um, and uh, you know, I own Disney by the way and and everybody was they the Netflix call, they actually compare The Mandalorian with The Witcher, uh, which I thought was interesting, because The Mandalorian, the, the, the curve of, uh, of interest on the internet as measured through Google, was not as high. It didn't spike like The Witcher, but it kind of like spiked down, spiked down, spiked down week over week. Nobody can see me moving my finger here. I'm directing the boss and pops. <laughs> right. Um, I was going to say, you know this yeah. is an audio podcast, yeah. right? Uh, but very interesting, because I also uh, think The Mandalorian is, is just Really not up to the hype, although the CGI is a lot better in The Mandalorian. You know what? If you want a short Baby Yoda, you go right ahead. <laughs> I heard Baby Yoda cost $5 million. Wow. Worth every penny. Yeah. Um, that's. Uh, but Disney's got free cash flow, right? And this is the, the problem for Netflix, is they're spending all this money. Um, I asked investors at a full conference one time, you know, what kind of profit does Netflix make? And everyone said, yeah, it's usually profitable. I said, well, yeah, not if you count free cash flow. And in order to not count the the costs of programming against what I would call cash profitability, you have to assume that that this stuff has a long shelf life. And I think that's true for some of it, but I'm not sure it's true for all of it. So I think the jury is still out on whether Netflix is going to actually uh, turn a corner on free cash flow, although they do say they're working on it now. I, I want to close on the stock, but before that, I do think it will be interesting to watch. Uh, obviously, with Netflix, every quarter we're going to be watching the subscriber number. I think it'll be interesting with Disney to watch not only what is the subscriber count for Disney Plus, but also the uh, international rollout. I mean, Disney Plus is only in four countries US, Canada, yeah. Australia, New Zealand, um, there was a stretch of time where Netflix was surprising, in a good way, Wall Street by the number of countries they could roll out to internationally. So I, I think I say this as a Disney shareholder. It's going to be interesting to watch how quickly they're able to roll that out. Yeah, and if they can get that done, I mean, Disney obviously is a pretty good brand name, and um, I I wouldn't not be a buyer of Netflix at this point. I mean, there's a few. You know, That's what I was going to ask. The like, stock you know is basically where it was a year ago. Yeah, and if you're looking at this like a horse race, and nobody can see me, I'm exasperated. My arms are spread. <laughs> you can own the. You can. You don't have to pick the winner. You can bet on the four horses leading the race. You can buy all of them, right? And and that works in this case. And so I kind of like Disney better because it's a much 
broader thing. It owns a lot of content and still makes that cash flow. If Netflix ever turns the corner, it'll it'll be huge. It's just a question of can they actually scale this cap or this you know this spending on programming, and that's still not certain. IBM's fourth quarter revenue grew slightly, and slightly is all it took to break the losing streak of five straight quarters of declining sales for Big Blue. So, um, shares of IBM up a little bit this morning. <laughs> but how excited can you get about three percent revenue growth? You know? Again, against the backdrop of five straight quarters of decline, it's like yes, we broke the losing streak. I I just oh, I've got my Napoleon Dynamite face on oh, when he's frustrated. IBM has some very good technology, great AI. They make some cool computers. They get tons of patents. They have super smart people working there. And it's just one of those slow slogs. And the entire question at IBM is, are they going to be able to make this pivot to hybrid cloud, on and off-premises cloud, which which is kind of their specialty right now? They were sort of everybody, you know, everything inside the walls of the business. You got companies like you know your Amazon cloud that are, oh, let's have everything outside the business. Most companies are using a combination. They have different cloud subscriptions. They use more than one service. They have some stuff in-house, some house, some outside. And this is a great place for IBM to sort of take its expertise. Uh, and of course, they, they acquired Red Hat. And it, it just doesn't look like it's enough. You know what I mean? The, the trajectory is still, well, it was down. Now it's, it's, barely, it's barely not down. And so, as somebody who looks at AI a lot, I'm working on our AI service these days. Uh, I've really wanted to say, hey, IBM is awesome because Watson is really top-notch AI, and it doesn't seem to be moving the needle. And it's, and it's almost impossible to tell, because even though IBM reports in some detail what the different segments are, it's hard to tell which piece of which segment is cloud, which piece is AI, and in fact, Watson and the AI systems that are underlying it are sort of spread out throughout uh, everything they offer. And they, and they even term this, and if you read the 10K, the word cognitive is in there everywhere. It's like the word quantum in an Ant-Man movie. You just keep saying quantum. And... Um, is it enough? I don't know. Red Hat was growing 24%, but IBM's still carrying a lot of debt, 66 bucks worth per share, um, making a lot of free cash flow. They can pay that. In fact, I think they said they were going to stop buying back shares, try to pay down the debt. So, if you think IBM can make that pivot, people still aren't very excited about it, makes a lot of cash. There's worse places to look for a quote-unquote value investment, probably, than IBM, but it ain't been a good buy for Buffett, right? It hasn't been, although I'm reminded a little bit of the stretch that Microsoft had go back before Nadella was the CEO, where you have this huge tech company, they're making money. Microsoft didn't have the, the debt issue that IBM has right yeah. now. But uh, when Steve Ballmer stepped aside and Nadella became the CEO, that was absolutely the time to buy yeah. shares of Microsoft. And Gina Rometty has been CEO since late 2011. And the stock is it's down about 15-20% during that time, while the market in general is up more than 250%. And I'm not saying she's on the hot seat, and I'm not saying she's got to go, but I am saying if we're just judging the CEO by the stock performance, then it doesn't look good for Rometty. Yeah, well, it's you know when you when you're the head of IBM, it's heads you win, tails you lose, right? You you do a crummy job, you get fired, you still can laugh at the rest of us and sit on your piles of money. Fair enough. Uh, quick shout out to Grammarly. 
for supporting this episode. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter, whether you're at school, work, or when you're on the go. If there was an audio version of Grammarly, I wouldn't have made the mistake yesterday with Davos being in Sweden instead of where it actually is, which is Switzerland. Is there a Twitter? Is there a Twitter plugin? Because I read the Twitter sometimes, and it seems like they could use some Grammarly's. That might be that might be the next version. Uh, the free version of Grammarly can be downloaded by anyone on uh, just your computer or your phone. It helps review critical spelling and grammar, but Grammarly Premium. Well, that service gives you more advanced help. It looks at advanced punctuation, structure, style, vocabulary, tone, readability for different occasions. So, you're working on your resume, you're doing a business proposal, you're writing an essay for school. Um, I've said this before, Grammarly is so easy to use that I actually use it. Definitely helping me with the uh, advanced punctuation and conciseness, which is something I have trouble with when it comes to writing. Everybody has that problem. Uh, I seem to have it. According to Grammarly, I have it more than most. <laughs> uh, you can go to Grammarly.com slash fool and get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash fool for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. I wanted to get your thoughts on retail, because there are a couple of headlines this morning, and unfortunately, they're the headlines that we've seen over the past couple of years, and and I guess we'll be seeing more of in 2020, and it's about bricks and mortar locations closing. Uh, Express uh, shares are up a little bit on the news that Express is closing about a hundred locations. Oh man! And <laughs> I've been through this with guests and some others. When they say they're going to cut their close their way to profitability, run. Well, and on top of that, you have Papyrus, uh, not a public company, but uh, you know a stationary store, which uh, public facing—that's for sure. Public they facing were and closing all of their locations, four hundred yeah. plus, I think, locations. Cheap, um, cheap clothes at the mall. Are they going to sell stuff online, or are they just just folding it up? I didn't see that headline. Um, I saw that last night. So Ooh. I don't, you know, if I can't imagine if, you'd have much of an online presence if, if you close I, all your stores. If you're looking to buy uh, greeting cards or stationery or high-end wrapping paper, get yourself to a your nearby Papyrus because oh, they're having a sale. Oh, I was thinking Papaya is the clothing store. No, 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 Papyrus. Oh, forget that Papyrus. There was a there was a 400 store stationery chain. Yes. Wow. I know. That's see, I went digital a long time ago. So, when you look at the retail landscape as an investor, what goes through your mind? Because obviously, we've seen this play out with some larger retailers that are either going out of business altogether, Toys R Us, Sports Authority, they're shutting down all of their locations and they're hanging up their spurs. In other cases, it's companies that are trying to get a little bit smaller, a little bit more closing underperforming stores. But we're also seeing some bricks and mortar retailers that are doing really, really well. Oh, there's very few of the of the latter, though, right? I mean, I've I've had plenty of fashion and retail stocks over the years, and even the ones that survive and seem to remain on the you know public radar screen, an American Eagle or something, for shareholders, you've just been creamed. So. Um, in terms of retail, I kind of got out like a couple of weeks ago or last week. I started. I went through my portfolio and I said, "Out, out, out." The only one I hung on to in terms of apparel was Lululemon, because they just get the job done like nobody else in that business. I held on to one sort of online 
uh, fashion retailer, so just app-based. And then I think just in terms of general retail, I own shares of uh, Five Below, which is a unique uh, store, and, and then it's a kind of a fun discovery. And now they actually have ten dollars stuff, but it's cheap stuff. You can go in there, and uh, it's actually a great place to get your sunscreen, by the way, in the spring. But those are the only real concepts uh, that I've got. I it is so tough to compete these days uh, with the huge companies, um, with Amazon, and then you know your traditional stores that have really stepped up their game. So, for instance, Target or Home Depot or Walmart, which have done a great job of of integrating online uh, sales or app-based sales with pickup and and doing a good job with their physical store footprints, that it is really tough for some uh, companies that aren't super good to compete. What are you going to do if you're Macy's? Why does anyone go to a Macy's anymore? Your point about Lululemon, I think, is a good reminder that Anytime there is a company that is succeeding, when there is talk of competitive threats coming in, if you own shares of that company, it can be tempting to say, well, I'm going to get out now because competition is coming. It also, in the case of Lululemon, might be worth just holding on to see how the competition does. Because you go back five or six years, mm-hmm. um, even beyond that, and some of the talk with respect to Lululemon was, oh, you know who's getting into this space? Under Armour mm-hmm. and Nike, and they're going to undercut them on price, and they're going to take out Lululemon, yeah. because who's going to keep buying yoga pants at $100 a pop? And Lululemon well, and nobody just, does now. It's $130. Right. <laughs> they just continue to perform well. And the competition came and uh, and went. Yeah, well, and the yoga pants market oddly turns out to be larger than anybody thought. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sold Under Armour. I didn't sell Lululemon. Under Armour has been stinking it up for years now. And, uh, you know, Planks. Stank the place up and then left, and I just don't see things getting a whole lot better. I think they they became more of a commodity. Lululemon's got that weird name, but they kept the upscale vibe, and I just don't think you get the same thing with it with a company like Under Armour. And so it really does matter. I mean, Lululemon's got competition from a company like Athleta, right, or a division. Uh, like athletic, which makes really good stuff, but they Lululemon continues to sell more and more of that really expensive stuff. I don't, I don't even know what the multiple is anymore. Uh, anymore, I, I don't care. They do a better job. I'll hang on to them. Seth Jason, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.